Welcome to another episode of Total R&B Podcast, where we talk about all things R&B and also get to know our Canadian artists. Uh, today, I have a special guest I'm really excited about. I've seen him perform uh, in Montreal quite a few times. Really great performer, really great artist. He is a singer. He is a songwriter. He is a survivor. He has done um, many things in his career um, in just a short period of time, which is really, really cool. So thank you, Jonathan Emil, for coming on my podcast today. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, that's, that's cool that you saw me perform, man. It must have been ages ago because... It feels like a, another lifetime ago before the pandemic and everything. Right? So. <laughs> no, it really does. Um, yeah. I can't, like, sometimes I think back because I, I love going to concerts. I love seeing people perform. I love the live version that they do, that you guys do. I I don't know. It's just something about live performances I love. And I can't, <laughs> I can't do that anymore. I see them sometimes, like, virtually. Yeah. But it, it's still good, but you know, the excitement being there. So I imagine for you, it's the same thing to have that interaction with the audience. Yeah, absolutely. Just like the energy of the crowd and to get that real time response from people, you know, and it's the emotions, the vibe in a room. It's like, there's nothing, there's nothing else like it. You know, so I can't wait to, for us to get, you know, get back to normal a bit with, uh, with the concerts and performing. I feel like it's coming. I'm hopeful. So We'll see. I, but I think I think all of you artists are going to start getting out there. So I'm hopeful. Um, usually I like to start off this podcast by asking um, the artists if you can recall your first memory of R&B music. Oh, my gosh. Um, I don't you know, I, I'm not sure if it would be my first memory, but mm-hmm. like a, like a significant memory was yeah. um, listening to uh, Jeanne in, in elementary school. Hey, Mr. DJ. And we like did like a remix type of thing and a dance to that song. Um, but before that, I mean, there's just so many memories, right? Um, you know, going back in time a little bit more, like my mom was a huge Sade fan. So I always grew up with um, Sade, you know, and No Ordinary Love was the album that really sticks out in my mind. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, in elementary school, same way, just singing Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls. <laughs> <laughs> so the TLC vibes, too. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess those would be some significant memories, some er- significant early memories. No, I love that. And I love that you said that, you know, especially when you're younger, like you and your friends or classmates making up remixes to songs, because yeah. I also remember doing that too, like in more so in high school, doing our own type of remix, listening to like different songs. So I think that's super cool. And it, you know, it always brings up like good memories when I ask that question, when you think back, back in the day. Um <laughs> So, but you have a mix of influences that influence your music. So growing up besides like Jeanne or Sade or, um, you know, TLC, like what artists um, influence you across like different genres? Um, that's, that's a great question because, you know, growing up, I didn't even realize the, like, at, at first I didn't realize the difference in genres, you know, that's at cool. first, because my parents were very, they had a very eclectic music taste and they wanted to make sure that they introduced us from everything from rock to opera to whatever. I mean, um, my first sort of cross genre, um, uh, uh, music uh, uh, appreciation, I guess, would be like um, well, reggae music because reggae music is so infused with um, different things from, from, you know, roots rock to like jazzy reggae to punky reggae. And then, of course, reggae being uh, and dancehall influencing hip hop, you know, those genres are just so intertwined from their inception, you know, from the first DJs and toasting and stuff like that. So, um, 
Yeah, I, I guess um, that would be like listening to Bob Marley and then uh, Peter Tosh um, and those guys that would take influences from different genres would be my first first um, purview into that, you know. Um, and then later on, I mean, like getting hooked on people like early Busta, you know, and he brought like the sort of Jamaican charisma and this energy to to hip hop that was like un, unparalleled. My older sister introduced me to Busta and I just played that tape out, you know, um, <laughs> until it died, until the, you know, until the pencil couldn't rewind it no more. And then, you know, I just had to uh, <laughs> had to know it off the radio still. So. But that's so true because he does have like Jamaican background. And yeah. I think to this day, he still represents for Jamaica in his music and his songs and his interviews. So, yeah, that's super dope. I love that. Um, and then moving on a little bit, because when I was reading your bio and seeing like different interviews that you've done in the past, mm-hmm. um, you often speak of um, how you battled cancer uh, starting at the age of 18 and going through that whole journey that's when you started really writing music. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really interesting. I wanted to know like what made you start writing music because mm-hmm. I did, uh, inter- well, I didn't interview her, but she was on my radio show. Uh, this uh, girl from Montreal, she actually just came out with a book and she was in a domestic abuse situation. And mm-hmm. from that, she just started writing in her journal. And so I always like wonder like what calls people to just start you know, either writing a, a, a journal entry that became a book or for you started writing songs that, you know, turned into some of what was your first album? You know, I think um, it's a great question. Also, um, I really think part of it is um, more like a therapy and like a reckoning with yourself. You know, I mean, anyone's mind, if you have complex thoughts and emotion, you know, it gets busy. And when you um, put it on a page, uh, it it, it puts it into context. It sort of takes it outside of yourself so you could like give yourself some perspective. That's one thing. Um, the other thing is just um, the pure ability to just, just create, right? Cause mm-hmm. writing uh, the arts, I'll just say the arts in general, you know, it's just uh, an amazing way to express yourself and to put all sorts of complex ideas and feelings into a different medium outside yourself. But then you get to explore different parts of it. You get to look at, you know, the poetry of it. You, uh, you get to, and particularly with music, you get to express, express yourself not just through like literary, but mm-hmm. just through um, um, melody, you know, um, through uh, metaphor, through color, through symbolism. So for me, particularly um, when I was going through my difficult period, it was a therapy. It was a way to put things into perspective and it was a way to to give something to the world, Um you know, I wasn't sure if I was going to make it through. So it was a way to just create something that could last longer than 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 me, than, than the flesh or whatever, you know. Um, and that's always been appealing to me. Just like creation is such a beautiful thing. Like we have these minds and we have these abilities and we could just sort of divine things from the from that from the atmosphere and, and put it together. So like uh, that's a process I've always been in love with. And it and, and it's nothing new, um, you know. Uh, a lot of people go through a lot of adversity, difficulties, uh, whether it's health, uh, mental health, um, oppression, um, you know, in all its forms. You, you spoke about a sister who was in uh, a domestic abuse situation, you know, um, having the ability to synthesize your thoughts and have that privacy and have that the action of creation of agency is a, is a wicked is a wicked thing. It's just like a beautiful thing, really. 
No, definitely. But I also find it um, really brave as well because mm. you actually put that out there into the world. A lot of people create, right? But they don't put it out there. There's like a, a block or a fear that comes yeah. about. So did it make you more fearless because of everything you went through? And you said, I am going to do this. I'm going to put myself out there, my story out there <laughs> for the world to you know, see and everything like that. Yeah. I think um, I think it might be a combination of the two because uh, if if you ask anyone who's known me for a long time, yeah, I think I've always been a little fearless, okay. um, maybe even a little shameless. Who knows? But um, uh, I, I do think that uh, going through what I went through certainly gave me perspective on what is important and what is not pr- important. Mm-hmm. Um, and not everyone gains that going through a crisis, right? Yeah. Um, some people just get through the crisis and like, whew, I survived, you know, like, go on, you know, like next thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, it's like, it really helped me. Um, and I'll say helped. Uh, it really helped me discern, you know, what is important and what's not important. So for me, I just like, I don't get stuck on opinions of people who don't, who, who, who are not core to my being or are not part of my love circle, you know, like I don't get stuck on, you know, um, drama or um, um, they say it's a thick skin, but I don't know if it's a thick skin because I don't think I have a thick skin, but what, but I, what, I, what I know is like there's certain people or certain um, um, things that are valuable that are important to you. And once you start not really finding information or value and, and stuff and the negativity and, and like, you know, the, the peanut yeah. gallery, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's easy to fly through things. And it's, it's not, it's not easy to block that stuff out or to, to ignore it. But okay. for me, it's like, you know, what's important to me is my happiness, the people who are around me, who, who reciprocate the love mm-hmm. and that's it. And the reciprocate the love and the respect, that's it. And then, you know, it's like the peanut gallery could talk. It just gives you more likes and impressions on the internet, you know? <laughs> Very true. Very true. But I I like that because a lot of people are talking about that too, like protecting your energy and the yeah. things you have around you. So I love that. Um, you did say too in one of your interviews, writing is like a form of self care for mm, you. So I want to know, like throughout the years, because now writing is your profession. So it's it's what you do, you know, to make money and to you know survive and stuff like that. So has that changed? Because sometimes there's that pressure that comes with maybe a songwriting and being an artist. So has that changed in, in the, the form of, I guess, self-care? I guess I'm, I'm, I'm lucky because it hasn't changed very much. And, and the reason um, it hasn't changed is because, you know, only about 10% of what I write, anyone will ever read or ever hear or ever listen to. See me? So it's like, I just write for myself. Um, I write a, a lot, um, of things that like no that will that I even I won't reread right okay. so just the process is important you know whether it's on the phone or in a book or whatever like I'm I'm constantly writing you know every every moment in between a task or a photo or this or that I'm I'm, I'm sort of writing I'm sort of sketching you know and I don't get caught up in okay where will this poem end up it's just doing the process. Mm-hmm. And then when something comes up, you're like, oh, wow, I have this in the bank. Or I have this in the freezer. Like, okay, this is what I was thinking. How can I build on that? So, you know, the action of writing is not looking at like, okay, I'm going to start a book and finish the book. It's just 
you know, the pieces will come together over time because there's different pieces of you at different times in your a time in your life that contribute to like what you can create or, or the perspective you can give. So that's, that's how I see it. Yeah. So I, I still write, I still write for that self-care. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, some, some bars are wicked. Some bars are whack, bro. And the whack ones you'll never hear. <laughs> okay. So at least we know we get all like the good stuff. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I try. I do my best, you know, but just write, writing for self-care is it's still, it still happens. Yeah. Okay. Um, I do want to take it back again because you started your uh, career, I think when you were 26 is when you started taking uh, the pursuit of being an artist, like seriously. So before that, when you were younger, let's say in high school or something, like what is it that you wanted to be or what you thought you were going to be? Oh yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> I thought I was going to, I was focused on going to law school. You know? Oh, okay. Um, I, at McGill, uh, well, you know, in, 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 in um, college, I, I uh, studied cinema, video and communications and I loved it. But the tra- trajectory after that, after that, I went into political science and philosophy and I studied that at McGill. And that was like sort of like on the war path to to do a degree in law, you know. Um, but, you know, after going what I, through what I went through and, and just falling in love with the, the process, um, the happiness, the healing that it that it brought, the perspective, um, I saw an opportunity to do a little bit of everything. In, in music and in, in business and creation. So a little bit of a lot of philosophy, I should say, uh, you know, a little bit of law, um, a lot of video production and communications work. And um, at the end of the day, I just love communicating and I love like dialogue between, between people, you know, so whatever I can do to communicate or to, to, to share emotions, ideas, perspectives, not just for myself, but putting other others on and giving people the space or allowing the space. Um, that's that's what I'm into. So, um, yeah, I was on the warpath to be a, a lawyer at one time, and uh, I don't know. I guess I I guess I ended up uh, in the opposite <laughs> in a different place. But I think it's to my happiness, happiness, and to to my benefit still. No, I think that's that's amazing. But I I don't know what kind of lawyer you were going to be. But mm-hmm. even in your music, like. I feel that you're always fighting um, while the message is always fighting for the people that are going through some different injustices and different things like that. So Mm -hmm. I feel like it kind of correlates, but you're doing it in a more maybe cool way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Giving us a voice, giving us a song to listen to during different like trying times. So I think it's really cool how, you know, everything worked out for you professionally. Um, but I did want to talk about Spaces in Between, which is an mm-hmm. album that you put out uh, last January um, in 2020 before. Oh, well, not last January. I keep forgetting we're in 2022. Yeah. It's it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> this last year has been the longest decade ever. Bro. Like it's uh, It's been like a long year and a half. But yeah, Spaces in Between yeah. came out in 2020, January 2020. Yes. Sorry. It's like it's all one year meshed into one. But (laughs) so you released it just before um, the pandemic. So if you could tell us about that album a little bit, please. Um, Spaces in Between is is my first sort of true reggae um, project. You know, throughout my career, I've been sort of in between reggae and hip hop and R&B. And just like I like we started at the beginning of the interview, you know, 
dividing genres. I always saw them as, you know, black music, black music, jazz, soul, you know, compa, everything, you know, just as one. But like, I was like, okay, well, you know, for convenience sake, for um, clarity's sake, let me let me see how far I could take my love of reggae music. Because for, for me, it's like, um, it's not just a, a, a genre, you know, it's cultural, it's spiritual. So I wanted to really explore reggae music. And, and what I did was I tried to cover every era up until the 90s. So if you listen to the record, you have uh, Roots Rock, you have Ska, you have like, uh, um, you know, Bobo Shanti rhythm, you have like um, sort of like the dance hall vibe, the early 90s, late 80s dance hall vibe. So I wanted to sort of um, push myself to um, capture every era and 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 reconvey it how I hear it and, and how it's, it's inspired me. So I gave that... Um, I gave it out a shot and um, yeah, I dropped the album in 2020 and it was, it was a blessing. You know, I think it was the really the right thing for me to do creative, creatively, spiritually, you know, um, and I'm working on a follow-up album right now. So it's, it's oh. good. Yeah. And hopefully when I start touring or when we start touring again, I'll be able to tour material from both of the albums from spaces in between and the next one coming. No, definitely. People will love that. Especially if, we didn't get to see you perform Spaces in Between during this time. I think we'll love that. So because it's been some times, could you say now, I know like for artists, it switches all the time, but like maybe your favorite, like two tracks from the album. Wow. That's tough. Hard. <laughs> That's tough. But I did, I did get to perform one live it's actually uh, it's going to come out on tele quebec on okay. belle bum like i think it's early february whatever there's a show in quebec i don't know for all the quebec watchers listeners there's a show called belle bum and they break new um new, new music okay and i got a chance to perform uh, a song called emptiness um with a with a live you know 10-piece band um so uh, that's one of my favorite songs, not only just to listen to, but just to perform live and the live version of it. And that's going to be coming out in, in the spring because I'm putting out an, uh, uh, um, a, a completely live album, like recorded oh, like yeah. they used to do back in the day where yes. they just go into the studios in one take, boom, and go. So it sounds great. I can't wait to put that out. So Emptiness, that one song, Emptiness is one of my favorites. Um. And the other song that's really um, close to my heart is Moses. Um, okay. And it's like the, sort of the opposite vibe. The Emptiness is a huge, huge song, huge production. And then Moses is really just a guitar and a harmonica, you know? Um, and it's like a, 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 a roots gospel type of, 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 of song. And uh, it's sort of like sort of, encapsulated a lot of the hurt and the pain that we've, you know, that people are going through now, but mm. that, that sort of has existed, you know, and um, it was inspired very much by um, spending time in Jamaica and, and thinking about the future and, and, and being close to um, cultural roots, you know? So, yeah. I love that. Do you often travel like throughout like your life? Did you travel back and forth from, uh, Montreal to Jamaica often? I think this is maybe one of the longest stretches I haven't been to Jamaica. Um, I haven't been in like, well, since 2019. No, no, that's not right. It feels like it. 
but um, yeah, frequently, I, I mean, when I was younger, I traveled back and forth all the time. You know, um, grandma still lives there. A lot of my family members still lives there, live there. So it's like, yeah, that's, a, that's like a second or third home. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm hoping you do get back soon. I can't wait. I'm going to look out for that performance that you have um, happening. Um, so we will follow you so that we can repost that when that's happening. So that is super dope. Thank um, you. you also did a collaboration uh, with Maxi Priest, which mm-hmm. is amazing because that is someone I've been listening to since I was young growing up. So I thought that was super amazing. So how did that come about? A real R&B superstar. Yo, Maxi <laughs> Freese is like, he's 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 an amazing uh, person, amazing person to collaborate with, but just like an amazing human being. And, you know, he's got the voice of an angel still. So it's mm-hmm. like, um, it was really just um, uh, networking. Uh, after doing the deal with Tough Gong, I, um, um, I started working a little bit closer with some people in New York, and um, my publicist, um, Brian, he's like, um, we we're looking for collaboration opportunities, basically. And he just brought it up one day. He's like, you know what? I think you and Maxi would just like vibe, you know, like he's like, you're sort of, you know, a Jamaican Bonafire, you know, just like Maxi was born in England. I was born in Canada. And like just our view of music, of being, you know, sing for the sake of singing in all genres and all flavors. I mean, Maxi just put out a blues album, which is wicked. I think it's good nominated again for something at the Grammys. Um, and uh, he was like, I think it would just be a wonderful fit. So he, he played the album for um, Maxi Priest and Maxi Priest was just, he loved it. And then particularly the song Babylon is Fallen um, really resonated with him. So he's like, that's the one that I want to, uh, to, to remix, to jump on. So we, we did it. We did Babylon is Fallen and we did it in French and in English and in French. We have a French version too. Yeah. But how does that feel when like an artist that you were listening to from time, like a legend basically tells you like he's feeling your song, like I want to collaborate on this song. Like how does that feel? Well, it's an it's a ego boost, sis. I mean, come <laughs> on. <laughs> it's like, oh, damn, like, I, you know, I made it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, it's humbling because you realize, because as soon as you sit down and speak to that person, you realize how much they have done, right? And um, with somebody like Maxi, it's like, he doesn't have to like flex, you know, it's just like, it's, 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 just in being around him, you get the sense of his longevity and his commitment to his craft and, and all these different things. Um, so it's like an exciting experience, but it's also humbling. It's like, you know, um, we've you've come so far, but I have so far to go. And I just realized, you know, working with somebody like him, I just realized, oh, like I'm still a baby. I'm still like, you know, there, there's there's things to do. Um so yeah, I mean it's it's definitely exciting. It's a little surreal, mm-hmm. you know, and then it's it's humbling too, you know. Even when I hear this record, hear the record now today, I'm just like, wow, that was that was a moment, and and that was you know makes me revisit our writing together and everything. So yeah, it's it's it's, it's rewarding. It's very rewarding and encouraging. Yeah, no, that's amazing because I don't know me, my friends, my family grew up listening to him, so. Mm-hmm. I thought that was super cool. Um, but I feel like a lot of things have really, I don't know, from the outside looking in, seems mm. to have aligned uh, for you, for your career to grow. Ah. And 
I know in Canada, it could be a little bit difficult for artists to have that success that you've had so far. So do you have any advice for any artists that are looking, you know, to follow oh footsteps? <laughs> that's a, oh, that's how it looks from the outside. Cool, cool. Yeah, um, <laughs> you, you know, but when you read every like you've done collaboration yeah. with Maxi Priest, but you've done stuff with KRS One, like that's like a hip hop legend. Mm. There's uh, Kendrick Lamar, like that song was very mm. powerful. And you know, if you've done different things, uh, you've got to like do different performances around like Montreal, even the shows that you've done mm-hmm. or the festivals and different things like that. Like it's it's pretty amazing. Like you've done a lot of great things in your career. So what advice would you have? Because, you know, especially in Montreal where we have like the, the language barrier, sometimes Mm -hmm. artists, it could be a little hard and a lot of artists might get discouraged or a little frustrated with like the policy. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. You know, I like, I am grateful from where I am and, you know, it's like, from my perspective, you know, as a as an artist forever, like nothing's ever completed, nothing's never done. You just have to yeah. keep working on a canvas, right? But I, I think you're you're absolutely right. And um, if there's a couple pieces of advice that I would give to people is, um, you, you have to understand that Montreal is an export economy. You know, mm-hmm. um, Montreal is a beautiful, beautiful place to live, and it's so inspiring to create. But, you know, it's a world-class city and it's a small city and you have people coming through, artists coming through from everywhere all the time, you know. So you're not only really competing with the next next person here or the next borough. What you're doing is you're competing on a global level from right away. And you're trying to lock down a place that has an appetite for global culture from the get-go. Mm-hmm. So, like, if, if you're a young artist, like, um, and this is what I did and I realized a little later is is just... Focus on your export economy. What can you do outside of Montreal to supplement what you've what you've already done or what you're doing in the city? And for me, that's always been the thing, you know, just um, making sure that my music takes me um, takes me places. You know, always coming back to the roots. You know, Montreal and Toronto, like back and forth all the time, but like getting out there in the world. So that's one thing. Um, the other thing is, you know, um, there's a lot of you know, weird features of this industry, um, you know, whether it's like um, the way things are set up, the structure of the industry or just the egos in the industry or just the um, the attitudes, you know, um, there, there's a lot of um, abuse and exploitation that goes on in this industry, you know, um, and I've always been pretty sensitive to that and guarded from that. Um, so I would, you know, uh, I would say don't let basically the realities of the music business take you away from the music. You know what I mean? Like, first of all, if you're doing music, you know, you, you have to love it. You know, you, you really have to love it or just have a relentless drive to just do it all the time. And some, a lot of people end up tying their, their value as an artist to their success in the industry, which is yeah. what, I mean, you, you can do it by all means if, if that's what you want to do. Um, but it's um, it's very difficult to find that joy and to find that longevity if that's what you're doing. If you're tying your, you know, your, your connections, your visibility or your, your immediate revenue to, to the music that you're creating, I mean, that could be a death sentence. So just know that those things are two, like almost two different worlds. The music and the music industry are not the same thing. 
you know. No, that's great. That's really great advice, um, especially crossing the two lines, because I feel like that happens a lot, too. So, yeah, no, that is great. Um, because, again, I feel like we have such amazing artists, especially here in Montreal. Um, so hopefully, we do. We do. Hopefully, like, we'll get that out. And I do want to see different things change. So thank you so much for that advice. And speaking of local artists, you did also collaborate with artists, uh, local artists on your album as well, not just uh, internet. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Always a mix. Yeah, which is really great because a lot of people just look at, you know, who's the biggest artist that I could get on my, my album to, you know, push the numbers and different things like that. But you still, you know, show love to people that are around you in your hometown. So if you could tell us maybe some singers that we should look out for in our own city. Oh, wow. Okay. Now you're really putting me on the spot. Um, uh, Okay. Well, I mean, okay. Like there's obvious ones like Naya Ali. We worked together uh, years and years ago. Um, and I'm, I'm still a constant fan and in awe of what she's doing, pushing, uh, pushing the level, you know, um, I collaborate a lot with, um, Paul Cardinello, um, who is a producer here in Montreal. Um, and, uh, he's always doing something wonderful musically, but also to empower the people around him. Uh, brother Clarell, um, who just mashed up the thing at the Jazz Fest. Um, he's just uh, a beautiful soul and an outstanding voice. I mean, I think that's someone to look forward to. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of people. Um, I'm, I'm just escaping me right now. This, this is one young brother who just um, got a showcase on Colors. Um, yep. um, I can't remember his name for the life of me right now, but I hope that doesn't come back to bite me. But he's wicked, you know, wicked voice. Because I just discovered him, like, literally yesterday. I said, oh, I won, you know? Okay. And um, he's from here. Yes, yes. He's from, he's from Montreal as well. I'm figure who that is. Yeah, yeah. I'll, um, um, yeah, you could put, like, a little note on the yeah. podcast or something like that. Um, there's um, um, a bunch of artists I work with. Um, Angela in the Shed. Uh, she's amazing. Yeah. Um, um, I'm executive producing her album that's produced oh, by wow. um, Alan Prater. Um, so that's going to come out um, this year, and it sounds phenomenal. I won't talk too much about it because I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to well, I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be having her on my podcast soon, so. Okay, good. So I'll let her tell you. I'm excited for that. <laughs> um, and then there's Raven. Um, Raven is an R&B singer. She's actually initially from BC, but she's been in Montreal for a minute. Okay. And I'm a fan. I'm a fan of her music, um, particularly. And she's R&B, like uh, she's R&B, true and true, contemporary vibes. And uh, her, her, um, she's she. Um, it's her and her man are like a production duo. Uh, okay. Jean, and he's a, he's an amazing producer and sound engineer too. This this could go on forever, but no, um, but that's so. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, we need to show love to our our artists that are here in our hometown. So this is what I try to do with the show. Um, make sure, like, you know, when people are listening, they're discovering, like, who is who is around them? Who can they support locally? So um, that's why I put a priority for, you know, Canadian artists, whether you're from Montreal, you're from Toronto, wherever. Um just so that people could learn about your journey, your music, um, and hopefully more people from your hometown or your home. Yeah, it could be, could, could learn, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I'm sure you know Chanda Holmes. Uh, do you know her? Unfortunately. Uh, she's amazing, too. I'm going to do some more work with her this year. But uh, Chanda T. Holmes is, is wicked, too. And uh, Yes, that is my sister. 
So love her dearly. I just had her on my podcast. <laughs> so yeah. Wicked. Yes. Oh uh, yeah, there's so many amazing people. So thank you so much for putting us on to a few of the singers here in Montreal. So I'm gonna look into some of them. Some of them I already know, and I'm excited to see what they're working on. Good. Um, we are gonna do some RV trivia because I do want to respect your time. Okay. All right. I thought I was gonna escape it. All right. No, I was let, watching the time, making let, sure. Let me get the Google ready. Hold on. No, I'm just joking. Okay, I'll do my best. I'll do my best. Okay. So. Um, like I said, I put some old school and some new school. We'll see what happens. So we'll start with some old school stuff. Okay. How old are school you, are we going? Don't, go back, don't go back to the 1950s now. Are you familiar with like Motown? Yes. Yes. Okay. I shouldn't have said that with so much confidence. Yes. I've heard <laughs> a couple. I've heard a couple Motown tunes before. That one. Okay. So the first question is. Name this legendary singer who began his career in the group The Miracles. And he is a big time songwriter for Motown. Um, and the Miracles, a big time yeah. songwriter. Yeah, he's a songwriter, he's a singer, he's like one of the first people that was signed to Motown, like Barry Gordy's it's best friend. Oh gosh, I was gonna say Mary Gordy, but it just <laughs> the miracle. Uh, the miracle. I don't know that one. I don't know that okay, one. so the answer is Smokey Robinson. Why didn't I know that? One? <laughs> okay. I think it's just. I think it's just nervousness. Nerves? Okay, go on with it. <laughs> you could do this. I'm rooting for you. All right. So, R&B singer Marvin Gaye mm-hmm. often collaborated with. Female vocalist. Mm-hmm. Name just one female vocalist that he collaborated with. Oh, Tammy Terrell, for sure. There you go. See? Right. That's, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Not so bad. Not so bad. Okay. So this one uh, is a multiple choice. Okay. So uh, which two singers has had number one hits on the Billboard Hot 100 charts in four different decades? Okay. That, that narrows is- it down quite a bit. Yes. Go ahead. Choose two singers. So mm-hmm. your options are Usher, Alicia Keys, Mariah Carey, Rihanna, or Beyonce. And two decades? Four different decades. Four different decades. So, okay, I'll repeat it one more time. The the options? Yeah. Usher, Alicia Keys, Mariah Carey, Rihanna, Beyonce. Definitely Mariah Carey. Yes, that is one. Who is the second? Definitely Mariah Carey. For uh, th- uh, in four decades, yes, four decades. I mean, Beyonce, nineties, two thousand two. I mean, I guess it would have to be Beyonce. There you go. You got it right. Okay, all right. See, we're we're doing we're doing good. Yo, I I, I I just almost got canceled by the Beehive, but yo, <laughs> no, I'm you're here. Kidding. I survived. No one, no one will be in your and <laughs> curse you out. No one will be in your Twitter mentions or anything. <laughs> Good. You got the Beyonce question correct. Okay, so this one might be a little bit difficult. We'll see. Mm-hmm. So, which R&B artists out of these uh, four names that I'm about to say are not Jamaican? Uh-oh. They have no roots in Jamaica at all. Don't say Rihanna. That's a trick question because... No, I didn't put <laughs> one in there. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry. 
So right. we have Maya, Chrisette Michelle, Alicia Keys, Carrie Hilson. Wow. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Don't worry, this was new for me too. Yeah. I don't know. I, I haven't heard Alicia Keys ever bust a shot still. But, well, she had she had the yeah. um, the song that she put out a while ago. I can't remember the name. It it slips my mind. Maya. Maya had the song with Beanie Man, but I don't know if she's actually Jamaican. Um I'm gonna say Maya. So the answer is Carrie Hilson. Oh, no. So a lot of them, it's the father that is from Jamaica. <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> okay, so the next question is, um, let's see if you could get this one. Claudette Ortiz was a part of which group? So you have multiple choice? Oh no, I didn't have multiple choice. <laughs> Claudette Ortiz. I don't know this one. I don't know this one. So she was a part of the group City High. Okay. You remember okay, wow. that? Group? Yeah, I remember that. Okay. I remember that group. <laughs> Just want to make sure. Okay. Um, this question here. Name the three letter group that Gerald Levert was a part of. Gerald Levert, three-letter group? Yes. So the name of the group consists yeah, of two letters. Okay. I mean, three-letter group. Um, hold on. It's 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 early mid-90s R&B. Is that right? Is that okay? Yeah. It's um or well, it was I think it was maybe in the early 2000s. Really? Yeah, I feel like I was maybe like this Gerald Levert. Yeah. All right. Let's let's say I don't, it was a I, collaboration with other singers. It was a collaboration with other singers. Yeah. So the group consisted of three different singers. The early two thousands. Yeah, I I feel like it was the early two thousands. Three letters or three numbers. Three letters. Three letters. I don't know. So the name of the group was LSG, mm -hmm. and it was Gerald Levert, Key Sweat. And uh, okay. I wouldn't have got that one. I would have got that one. Oh, okay. I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't be front. I was like one twelve. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, so that is that was the last question. So I guess maybe next time I'll come back with like better questions. <laughs> Give me some homework, man. I'll study and I'll you know I'll I'll prepare prepare for the exam next time. Yes, and then maybe add if your wife knows. More R and B. She would have gotten every single question. This she's gonna watch. Serious? Yes, she she would have every single question that you asked. She would have known the answer to. Oh wow! And so, so she's gonna watch this. She's gonna just be shaking her head, being like, "Oh no!" <laughs> okay, so next time she'll be like a lifeline, like you know, who wants to be a millionaire? You can you know give her a call. There you go. Help you out. <laughs> so before I let you go, just let us know what you have coming up in the spring. You have some new stuff that's about to drop. So let us know what's happening and also how we can keep up with you. All right. So I got a lot. So first of all, you can go to uh, JonathanEmil.com and uh, connect with me on social media. Often Facebook, Instagram, Twitter is where I update the most. On the 25th of February, I'm dropping 
um, a track called Motivation for You. It was a hip hop song. So you could like go uh, pre uh, save that, uh, pre save that. Uh, what else? And I have some more singles coming out um, in the spring. Uh, that live song I spoke about earlier, yep. Emptiness, that one's going to drop. And some visuals that are going to come out, surprise visuals everywhere. Um, I've been filming some music videos and I'm going to be doing some more and putting those all together. So that's what I got going on. And shows, tour dates, check JonathanAmil.com. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for taking time out to speak to me today on my podcast. I really, really appreciate it. You don't know. <laughs> it was amazing talking to you, learning about, you know, your background, your music. So definitely we'll continue to support you um, whenever we see something happening on your pages. We'll try and, you know, repost it, make sure that people are keeping up with you. So thank you once again. For thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I'll, I also want to say uh, I'm also a fan my mom sent me uh, the CTV news report for what you did with Kira. Oh, was. Kyra, yes. Kyra, sorry, Kyra. And it was, uh, she was like, oh, do you know her? Do you know her? I'm like, no, I don't. And then a week and a half later, boom, you say, hey, oh, you wow. did an interview. So it's nice to meet you formally while I'm off stage. So that's great. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. That's funny, actually. <laughs> All right. So thank you. Have a, uh, an amazing day. And uh, yeah. I'll be in touch. All right. Blessings, Queen. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.